0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Last Gen Podcast. I don't know, I mentioned in my first episode, by the way, this is not Alex, this is not Lilia, this is not Carolyn, but this is Preston Shuttlesworth coming to you from my upstairs bedroom. And if that creeps you out, I'm sorry, but that is where I record. Um, But anyways, I mentioned in the first episode that I guest-hosted, a nickname. I was wondering if they're calling you guys yet, the last Jenners, and I just hope they're not calling you the Caitlyn Jenners. I hope we're kind of capitalizing on this last gen nickname thing. But anyways, with all that out of the way, I'm excited because I want to do a podcast. Actually, uh, Evangelist Carolyn asked me last week to record a podcast about a thought I shared on my Twitter. I tweeted. Uh, something that I guess piqued her interest. She wanted me to elaborate on a thought that I posted on my Twitter account, and uh, I want to read to you this tweet, and you've already seen the title of the podcast this week, and I've entitled this, What Does Sin Do to Your Mind? And so I want to explain where that title is coming from, uh, what the thought is, and my tweet that I sent I guess this was like two weeks ago now, but I said this. I said, my generation, and I know this is a last gen podcast, so maybe that's why she asked me to do it. Generation, gen, it's a connection there. Uh, but I tweeted, my generation, I, and by the way, I'm 23, so I'm a lot of, I'm a similar age to a lot of uh, you guys that listen to these episodes. And so I tweeted, my generation, us, you and I, a lot of us, hopefully not you, I believe it's not you, but some of us, would rather go to therapy than repent. The reason being they falsely called their sin mental sickness. And you've also heard of that term, I use the term mental sickness there, but you've heard of the term mental health, mental health disorder, mental health awareness, and it seems to be this new wave. Not in the world, mind you, this is stuff that goes on In church settings, youth groups, conferences, you name it, um, people are focusing on this issue. And really, I believe it's a dismissal of what it really is. And I want you to understand something. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, hear me, uh, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you're saved by the blood of Jesus, your mind is not a battleground for the devil. It is not normal to experience mental health disorder, mental sickness. And what are those things? Depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts, nervous breakdowns. You can't sleep at night. You got to take NyQuil just to fall asleep because of all the uh, stress you have in your life and you're panicked and you have... um, thoughts that come into your mind that are not of God, they're unclean thoughts, they're destructive thoughts, thoughts of death and destruction, and and things that really, especially someone that's a teenager, young adult, uh, in their 20s, to deal with is very curious, and it's not normal. It's not normal. So I I want you to get that In your mind, first of all, before I go to the Bible, before, I have a lot of scriptures for this podcast, but before I even go there, understand that it's not normal to be saved and to deal with mental health and mental sickness. And I entitled the podcast, you were probably wondering, well, why does he mention sin when it comes to these problems? Well, I want to show you a verse. It's a verse found in Psalms. It's Psalm 38 in verse eighteen, and I'm reading out of the Amplified version to show you something that I think you'll find very interesting when it comes to this topic of mental health. The Bible says, probably David in Psalm 38, 18, for I do I do confess my guilt and iniquity. I am filled. Here's the key part. I am filled with anxiety because of my sin. Psalm 38, 18 in the Amplified, I am filled with anxiety because of my sin. And really that could be the end of why I tweeted that, but I'll do a whole podcast on it because it is something that stirs my spirit, especially when it comes to my generation, because I feel called to my generation. I love my generation, but it's Frustrating for me, especially as someone that's in full-time ministry, I travel, I preach, I, I, I've done youth conferences and youth camps, and I see young people, and I know it's one of the main things that they deal with. And I am afraid, not like in a, a spiritual way, you'd say, but I'm more so concerned that our generation would rather dismiss the root cause of the problem of mental health And say that it's just normal. Say that it's something that everyone our age goes through. It's not something to be uh, condemned. It's not something to be brought up. And I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm not trying to say that, you know, if you struggle with mental health, you're weak or something like that. But I want to show you from the Bible that sin, number one, produces anxiety. Period. Sin produces anxiety someone that has hidden sin in their life, someone that has things to hide, someone that has to cover their tracks and to plan everything in their life and make sure that one person doesn't know what they said about this person and they have to have three different cell phones and they have a burner cell phone and they have 17 Twitter accounts and they got to manage all this kind of stuff because they live a lifestyle that's sinful and because of that sin, they have to go to great lengths to hide it And I'm not saying that's everybody's case, but I'm saying sin produces anxiety and I'm giving you some examples. And you should not, especially if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you should never make an excuse for a demonic spirit to oppress you. Because where do you think that problem's coming from? Do you think it's God? Do you think the Lord is teaching you a lesson uh, by affecting your mind in this way? Do you think that it's the holy spirit that part of the holy spirit's nature is to make you struggle with your mental health and to make you full of anxiety and fear and and have suicidal thoughts and tendencies do you think that's the holy spirit's desire no do you think it's your desire of course it's not why would any person want to do that to themselves suicidal thoughts are demonic they come from demonic unclean spirits and so When you call something mental sickness and instead of uh, going to the Lord in prayer, repenting if you have to, fasting, instead of doing that, our generation has decided I would rather go to therapy, sit on somebody's couch and tell them my feelings about how my childhood went and whatever and they just pet all these demons instead of casting them out. Understand that you're not called... To counsel demons, you're called to cast out demons. I'll say that again. You're not called to counsel demons, you're called to cast out demons. And so don't make an excuse for something that's of demonic origin, which mental health and mental sickness and all the things that encompass that are demonic. And so the first step to being free is understanding that it's a problem that you are not supposed to deal with when you're saved. And then second of all, understand that in the first step of being free is desiring to be free. There was a great man of God by the name of Kenneth Hagan. Many of you have probably heard him. If you haven't, you should watch him on YouTube, his teachings on the leading of the Holy Ghost. Pretty much anything you can put on by him is great. But he was telling um, the story of these people that came for prayer for deliverance and He went down the line and only prayed for a select few of all the ones that came. There were many that came, but he only prayed for a few. And so someone asked him, why did you only pray for a few? And he said that because he discerned in his spirit that only a few actually wanted to be free. And so he didn't even waste his time laying hands or praying for the people that he thought believed in his spirit did not even want to be free. And so, if you don't want to be free, and you want to make an excuse for why you deal with these kinds of things in your mind, then I can't help you. The most powerful man of God on the planet can't help you. The most powerful preacher, evangelist, whoever, can't help you if you don't personally want to be free. The the job of preaching is to get faith in your spirit, to desire to want that freedom personally for yourself. Preaching and preachers don't control people like marionette puppets and dictate every decision, everything that they do. No, preaching is to present the truth to you and then for you to receive the faith that comes by the preaching and then to personally make that decision that I want to be free and I want to be whole, I want to be delivered, I want to be saved, I want to be healed. And so, if you don't understand that, then you'll never be free. That's why David said in that verse, in Psalm 38, 18, for I do confess my guilt. For I do confess my guilt because I'm filled with anxiety because of my sin. And so sin begins in the mind. Where does the Bible say that? Well, the Bible says this in James 1. It gives you like a breakdown, I would say, like a seven-step process of how sin begins and how sin ends. The Bible says this, Every man is tempted by his own desire, he is drawn away and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is completed, brings forth death. And so, there in James 1, you kind of get a breakdown of the process of how sin works. Sin begins in the mind, sin begins with a thought that you have. You think of David when he committed the sin with Bathsheba, the Bible says he went to his terrace, and when he was on his terrace, he saw Bathsheba bathing, and when he saw her, he was attracted to her, he called her into his, his chamber, slept with her while she was married to another man, and then after he slept with her, her husband, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, he placed him on the front line of a battlefield where he knew that he would almost certainly die in that position because he was so... Uh, drawn away by his sin to be with Bathsheba, that he essentially committed murder of her husband, Uriah, after committing adultery with her um, when he saw her. But all of those things happened, all of the, the murder, the adultery, all of that stuff happened after David saw Bathsheba with his eyes, and then the thought of that sin came into his mind. And so, again, sin begins in the mind. And so the topic of the podcast, the the title, what does sin do to your mind? Sin is the root cause of death, first of all. And so you see here in James 1, let's read it again. Every man is tempted by his own desire. He is drawn away, or she, and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is completed brings forth death. And so... What is the final cause of sin entering your mind if you allow it to go the way the devil wants it to go? Well, death. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so, one thing you have to get as well as a young person is that the end result of sin is not to make your life miserable. The end result of sin is not to make your life less pleasant. The end result of sin is not to... um, anything you can think of. The end result of sin, the devil's plan for your life is to kill you. To kill you. To steal your purpose before it's time and to make sure that the world never receives who the Lord was going to raise you up and anoint you to be. That is the plan of the devil and that is the final stage of what sin brings when it's completed. And so how can you stay pure? How can a young person, let me ask you this, how can a young person stay pure in the world that we live in today? How can you make sure that your mind is not a battleground for the devil, your mind is not a foothold for the devil, your mind is not a place where the devil can just do and say and tempt you and do whatever he wants all day long? How can you make sure that you stay pure and righteous and holy in the world that we live in? Well, again, we go to the Word of God. It says in Psalm 119 in verse 9, How can a young person stay pure? And I love this because the Bible always has the answer before you have the question. Understand the Bible mentions specifically young person, young people. How can they stay pure? The Bible understands, it says that there is nothing new under the sun. Do you think you're the first young person to deal with lust? You're far from it, trust me. Do you think you're the first young person to struggle with whatever you're struggling with? Do you think that your struggle is unique to you? And I'll just say this, and this might hurt people's pride, this might hurt their uniqueness or their whatever, their individuality, whatever they say nowadays, but your problem is not new to God. It's not. It's as old as time itself. Your problem, sin, affected the first human that was ever created, Adam and Eve, the first humans. And so to think that your problem is like unsolvable, that you're unsavable, that you can't be delivered, that God can't work in your life because you've reached a point of sin that's like at a different tier than other people, and so God can't uh, work His work of salvation upon your life or whatever it is. It's it's not true. How can you stay pure? How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Praise the Lord. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. And here's the issue. And I've talked about this on my own podcast a couple times. But our generation, they are... I'm not going to say that because it sounds like Ebenezer Scrooge like critical. But for the most part, young Christians, all they want to do is worship. All they want to do is check out the newest Maverick City albums and Elevation and Hillsong and Jesus Culture. And all they want to do is pace their room and not pray and just play these these emotional songs about how everything's a battle. How about, why is this? And I've thought of this. Why is every song that comes out from these people, everything's about fighting a battle, everything's about struggle, everything's about dealing with an issue, but God makes it a little bit better, everything's about how hard life is, but God, you know, with his uh, grace gives you the strength to go through another day. And it's all this defeated, constant conflict fighting nonsense that you shouldn't be filling your spirit with all day long. How about this? And if you instead swap the amount of time that you listen to worship music to read the Bible, I mean, Miracle Word is doing a Bible reading plan right now for fasting and prayer. Why don't you hop on that? And do that every day instead of playing music. And let's be honest, Maverick City is the best of what it is. Most people are playing, who knows it nowadays. I I literally, when I tried to think of a secular artist that's popular nowadays, I couldn't think of one before God. But you know (laughs) them. So understand, most young Christians, they think it's okay to pump their spirit with all this unclean, nonsense junk And then they say, well, I don't know why I'm struggling. I don't know why I think of sex all the time. When you're listening to Cardi B, there you go, I named one, Nicki Minaj, and all these crazy, demon-possessed, unclean people all day long, you know, hopefully you're listening to Maverick City at this point. And obviously a lot some of them have unclean spirits and have done things they shouldn't have. But at least that's somewhat Christian, you know what I mean? But how can you expect to fill your spirit with that all day long? Fill your mind with it. You're dwelling on it every day. You know every lyric to every song. But when it comes to the Word of God, you draw a blank. You struggled uh, quoting John 3.16 by memory. And you wonder why you can't stay pure. You wonder why you can't live holy in the world that we live in today when you're just like the world. And you wonder why you can't get free of your mental health, whatever, quote-unquote mental health, and it's not because your problems unique to you it's not because god's not powerful enough it's because you haven't gotten to a place where you got sick and tired of being sick and tired and you say lord i reject the world i reject their opinions i reject this emotional roller coaster feeling centric world and i say lord i want to be raised up by your word anointed by your spirit i want to be a difference i want to be the one that calls those that are now in darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel of jesus christ that lord your word declares that your eyes roam to and fro seeking for someone whose heart is fixed on you that you might show them yourself strong on their behalf I want to see that in my generation. I don't want to see, oh, I'm struggling, I'm this, and everything's negative, everything's complaining, everything's some negative report coming out of your mouth, and you can't follow a simple instruction from the Word of God in Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying the Word. It's as simple as that. I'm going to go longer, but I could just, again, I could cut it right there. How can you stay pure? By obeying the word. It's not rocket science. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have an eight-year degree program, whatever. You don't have to have the credentials. You don't have to have the, the family name. You don't have to have the income status. Whatever it is that people in the world think you need before you get to that place, you don't need it. It's very simple. My son, hear my instruction. Listen to what I have to say. I mean, you can read the entire word of God and you can see it over and over again. The simple instruction to obey the Lord, to know the word. You think of what God spoke to Joshua in Joshua 1. If you don't depart from the book of the law, let it constantly be the meditation of thine heart. Let it never depart from thine eyes and then you'll have great success in all that you do. When you stay with the Word of God, and that's what you base your life on, you're unmovable. You're unmovable. Jesus, hallelujah, is the cornerstone. He can't be moved. You think that the world can move Jesus? The Bible says Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so when you get into the Word, you're beginning to have communion with Jesus. That Jesus is coming on the inside of you to make you more than what you could have been on your own. That's the whole purpose of the gospel. It's not for you to come to the Lord broken and leave broken. No, you come to the Lord, you might be broken. You might be struggling. You might need help. But when you come to the fountain of life, when you come to the wellspring of heaven, when you come to Jesus, He makes everything right. He said in Matthew chapter 11, Are any among you weary? Are any among you heavy laden? Come unto me. And I will give rest for your weary souls, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. It's not heavy. God's promise over your life and what he wants you to do is not something that produces anxiety. Sin produces anxiety. Sin produces a heavy spirit. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil bring some unclean thought into your mind and steal your joy. No, live by the word and live free forever and live in joy and live in peace. Philippians 2.2, 2, complete my joy. By what? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. How do you complete your joy? How do you allow the devil not to steal your joy? By being of the same mind, having the mind that was in Christ Jesus. And how do you attain that mind? By the word. It always goes back to the word. And when you allow the word to be insufficient in your life, when you allow it to, you don't read it, you don't practice it, you don't take time to study it, then no wonder your joy has been stolen because your completion of joy is found by being of the same mind and your mind needs the word. You renew your mind by the word. And so your mind will lie to you unless you keep it under subjection by reading the word. And you have the authority when unclean thoughts come in, to take those unclean thoughts captive and remove them in the name of Jesus. Where does it say that? Second Corinthians 10.5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought, again, dealing with your mind. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Understand that what you set your mind on will determine your life and your peace. For those that live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live, and this is you and I, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life And peace. Hallelujah. That's Romans 8, 5, and 6. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Dwell on the Word. The Word brings peace. The Word brings peace. Sin produces anxiety, but the Word of God brings peace. The Word is the final say. And when you know the Word, you know the end. Think of the peace that comes from that thought. That when you know the Word, you know how things play out ahead of time. You don't have to be in worry. You don't have to wonder how tomorrow is going to go. You don't have to wonder how your life will pan out. You don't have to wonder 15 years from now what your life will be like and have anxiety from that. No. When you know the word, you know that your desire, hallelujah, shall come to pass. That your end shall be a good end in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. A lot of verses about the mind are just coming to me right now. Isaiah 26.3, You keep him or her in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because they trust in you. Praise God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You have to get to a place where your mind is not dwelling on carnal things. And it's so easy nowadays. I mean, social media, if I wasn't, if I didn't need social media to promote material and, and do stuff like that, I wouldn't even have it. <clears throat> I didn't have social media till I was 18 in Bible school because I, I was running to be the president of my class and I used it as like an election uh, thing to campaign or whatever. And so... Nowadays, it's so easy. I mean, you go to that Explore page on Instagram. I mean, good Lord, these people don't wear clothes, man. I don't know why Instagram wants me to see things I don't want to see. It's insane. Nowadays, you don't have to go looking for sin. Sin comes looking for you. Sin just pops up without any warning. It's insane. And so I understand that you have it more difficult than maybe the generation 20 years ago when there was no internet and they had to get Playboys and go to some movie theater in the middle of night, some random place to do things that we can do on our iPhones at 13 with one search. I understand that sin has become more available and so it's become more prevalent. And I understand that. But you can make a decision right now, whether you're 12, 22, 17, 31, maybe you're 85 listening. Praise God, we love you. But you can make a decision no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, that I'm keeping my mind on the things of the Spirit. I'm keeping my mind on the Lord. It's staying on the Lord because I know that there's a perfect peace that comes when I dwell on the things of the Spirit and upon the Word of God. Hallelujah. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which does not satisfy? I mean, does this not explain our generation perfectly? Laboring for things that don't satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good. This is the Lord speaking in Isaiah. Eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. We're on day eight of a fast as I record this. And there's a place you can get where you're not consuming natural things. But you've decided, I'm going to fast the natural thing. I'm going to fast food. I'm going to fast all of these things that have caused my flesh to get stronger, my spirit to get weaker. And instead, I'm going to starve my flesh and feed my spirit. That's what fasting and prayer is. And I know a lot of you are young, so probably not doing a a liquids fast like me or some other ministers, but I hope you're doing something during this time to uh, stir your spirit up. And when you do that, you make a decision to delight yourself in supernatural things rather than natural things. I'll tell you one thing. If you can get to a place where you can resist the temptation to eat food for seven days, let me tell you something. Going on that website or Whatever else you do for sin, I know that's a, the big one. All that other stuff will be very, very easy to overcome when you can fast and when you can pray. I mean, when you can overcome the natural desire to eat food, every other sin, every other natural, uh, carnal thought will be nothing. It will be the easiest thing in the world. There'll be a walk in the park. And so... Do I encourage you to do that? Listen diligent to me, going back to Isaiah. Eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear. Hallelujah. Hear the word and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast and sure love. Colossians 3 2. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things. That are on the earth. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. And here's the story of many people, and it's sad. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin. That dwells within me. So again, this is the root cause. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God or the word of God in my inner being. And so this is the story of many young people, many Christians, no matter how old you are, that they want to do good. They know that it's wrong. They know that the sin they commit is wrong, but they don't have the ability to overcome sin. They stay in sin because the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh, part of who you are, is weak. How do you overcome that? Well, if your flesh keeps overcoming your spirit, that means your flesh has become stronger than your spirit. And that comes down to your personal decisions. That comes to your lifestyle. That comes to your habits. That comes to what you practice. Again, the music you listen to, the TV shows you watch, how much time you spend scrolling the Explore page on Instagram or whatever else that you use. Snapchat. I mean, what a demonic app Snapchat is. That thing was designed to send whatever. But I'm telling you, if you don't strengthen your spirit and crucify your flesh, you're going to have a hard time. And I'm not saying that you have to be 12 years old and go on a 40-day water fast. I'm saying do simple things. Read Get on this Bible reading plan that Miracle Word's doing right now. Get on it. Hit it strong. Read more if you want to. Pray at least an hour a day. Put on Great Preaching. Put on Teddy. Put on Jonathan. Put on Kenneth Hagan, Teal Osborne, R.W. Shambach, John Osteen. I mean, there's great preachers out there. A lot of them are gone now, but you can find Great Preaching. Put that on. Instead of watching 17 Netflix episodes in a row, listen to an hour of preaching, Holy Ghost Preaching, every day. Fill your spirit constantly that you get to a point where your spirit's strong and your flesh is weak so that now when they come into conflict, like the Bible says they do in Galatians five, it says they war against each other. Now your spirit man is strong and now it's going to whoop up on your flesh and your flesh will have to retreat. And it's not something that's a one and done process. You have to constantly stay in this place where you're feeding your spirit, starving your flesh. And that's how you can be free. And again, mental health is not normal. Mental health is oppression from the devil, period. Mental health is oppression from the devil. And its root cause is sin. Sin produces anxiety. I had great anxiety. I was filled with anxiety. Again, Psalm 38, 18, because of my sin. But the word revives your soul. It says that there. It says, where does it say that? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Where am I looking for that? Revive your soul. Oh, here it is, Isaiah. Hear that your soul may live. Hear that your soul may live. And I'm proud of you because right now you're hearing a message that is designed for you. And I'm glad that you've taken time 33 minutes in. I mean, that's longer than most TV shows, an episode. And so you're already on that process. You're on that path, and I'm proud of you. But this is not enough. Listening to a Last Gen podcast once a week and then doing whatever you want for the next six days is not going to be enough. No matter how good of a job, and I know that Alex does a great, great job, But it doesn't matter how good of a job he does, if you don't value your spiritual life enough to strengthen your spirit and to revive yourself, that way when you come into conflict with your flesh, your flesh must bow to your spirit. You have to make that decision personally. And I hope you can do that today. We're going to pray in just a few moments. But I want to show you a verse in Psalm 19 and verse 7. And I'll close here. And then I'll pray for you. Because understand my heart in making this episode was not to come at anybody's life or say um, that you're wrong for excusing certain things, but it's not right that you should struggle one more day with mental health issues. It's not right that you should struggle one more day with depression in your mind when you're saved. Obviously, people that are in the world, it will be very common for them because life apart from God is a hard thing. Life apart from God is full of stress. Life apart from God is full of depression and darkness and everything else. But a life and a covenant established with God is full of life and peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so I want to read to you this verse before we pray together in Psalm 19 in verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple father I thank you in the name of Jesus I thank you for every single person that's listening to my voice right now father I thank you in the name of Jesus by faith that every single one that's listening that's been struggling with sin or has been dealing with things in their mind that are not permitted to be there as they are believers. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there's a peace that comes to them right now and a joy in the name of Jesus. Revive their soul, Father. And I thank you that they're making a decision today to strengthen their spirit and to starve their flesh out in the beginning of this year, in January of 2022. I think that they're making decisions right now that they'll say six months from now, change their life forever. I thank you that not only will they be free, but you'll anoint them by your spirit to set their friends and those around them free by your power and by your word. Father, I thank you that you're doing it right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you're touching people in their homes, in their cars, wherever they are. I thank you that you touch them by your power, and they would feel your presence, and they would know that they're more than conquerors, and that they are going to win this battle between the spirit and the flesh, and they will be victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that our generation, the young people, we will not be a generation that's broken. No, we will not be a generation that's depressed, but we will be a laughing people. We will be those that you raise up in this last day, Father, To be mighty men and women of God, preachers that will change this world one final time before Jesus returns. I thank you for it, Father, and I thank you that it's done even as I pray it. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this podcast blesses you today. Sin produces anxiety, but the Word of God produces life and peace. And you can make a decision that I'm not going to dwell on the things of the world and be full of sin and full of anxiety, but I am going to stand on the Word of God because His Word declares that you have not received a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind in the mighty name of Jesus. This was Preston Shuttlesworth doing the ten podcast for the week. I love you. Hope to do one of these again sometime in the near future. I know there's a lot of other great guest hosts and so... Thank you for letting me come on and be a part of your day, whoever and wherever you are. I hope this blessed you, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Be blessed. Have a great end of this fast. Don't quit if you're on it. Day eight, you should be in the coasting stage. We've made it past the hunger pangs, and now we're just praying, and man, it's been awesome. i got to be serious here. It's been a great, great time in the Lord. And so I love you. Stay on the fast. Stay strong. And... Be blessed. I love you. Talk to you soon.